0: Is taking place, Lord, next year. That you would bless it, Lord. You bless this church, a live Christian fellowship. Lord, we thank you for this Tuesday, this New Year's Eve service, Lord, with communion, with worship, the potluck, Lord, the baptisms, Lord. That you would bless it, that others would sign up, Lord, to be baptized, God, in, and maybe to come in fellowship with the church. We ask, so that you would touch everything about that, Lord. And we pray this all in your name. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, and the church together said, amen. amen. We're at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. We're here, Paul is talking about the grace of God, how we ought to use the grace of God for the work of God, using the grace of God for the work of God, right? And that's the title of today's message, using the grace of God for the work of God, because maybe today you're looking for some breakthrough to end the year with. You don't want to end the year the same. You don't want to go into the next year the same. And you're saying, Lord, I want some breakthrough 2019 as I go into the next year. Well, if you want some breakthrough, it starts, it begins, and it also ends with the grace of God. And and I pray that even today we would make the decision to, because of His grace, to leave the past behind maybe you want to write that down right now in your notebook in your bible leave the past behind and don't go in the new year the same and what i'm talking about is it's deeper than just a new year's resolution a better version of yourself It's, it's far beyond that it's more serious than that but it's a commitment to say i want to start the year right with the lord and i want some breakthrough i don't want to go in the new year the same I want to be able to go in the new year with with really a commitment to the word of God, a commitment to prayer, a commitment to learn more of the scripture. And as we've learned that he is an ambassador, Paul, in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, now we're going to learn what an effective ambassador looks like. Because not only do we want to be a representative or a messenger of the king, we want to know what it looks like to be an effective ambassador for the king, an effective ambassador ambassador for the king what does it look like to be an effective ambassador now it looks like a life with discipline a life with commitment but here's the next one that we're going to look into today a life with consistency because it's not only important to have commitment it's also important to have consistency in that commitment that God is calling you Maybe looking back at 2019, you say, well, I had a commitment for the first half of the year. I was reading my Bible for the first half of the year, but then I kind of stopped going to prayer. I stopped reading my Bible. I stopped serving the Lord with zeal and with passion. And the consistency was not there as it once was. Well, you know what makes an effective ambassador not only is the discipline or the commitment, but also the consistency that we need as disciples. Because that's what makes you now an ambassador that gets the will of God done in your life. That gets the will of God done. Now let's read chapter 6, verse 1. We then as workers together, we've explained this, that we are working together with God's plan. We are God's partners with Him. Also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. We're begging you, don't receive this grace of God that God is giving you, that God is extending to you. Don't receive it in vain. Now, God has given you grace, each and every one of us in our lives. But He's also here commanded us not to receive this grace in vain. Not to uh, just put it aside as a worker together. And when he's saying worker together, he's saying, I don't want you to be lazy. I don't want you to compromise or to be complacent or to be non-responsive as a worker together. I want you to work. I want you to be plugged in to the church. How many of you guys are plugged into the local church today? That you're working together with the plan of God. That you're not saying, God, I want you to work together with my plan. God, I want to work together with your plan. I'm your partner with your plan. And that's what he's saying. And despite this now, or with this being said, it's important that we don't receive the grace of God in vain. Now, receive the grace of God with duty. Receive the grace of God with responsibility. Receive the grace of God with a calling. Don't ignore it. Don't put it off. The, the work of grace in your life. Two ways that you can receive the grace of God in vain by, number one, staying in sin that you were living in, the spiritual failure before. But also, using the grace of God in vain is is not putting it to use, not getting involved, not working together, not being an ambassador. That's what it means to use the grace of God in vain. Verse 2, it says, for he says, in an acceptable time, from Isaiah 49, verse 8, I have heard you. In a specific time, God has heard you. and In the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. A lot of times we say, Well, I'm going to wait till next year to serve. I'm going to wait till next year to give my life to the Lord. It is not the right time. I'm waiting for the perfect timing. And Satan's timing is always tomorrow, but God's timing is always today. Isn't that amazing how it says today is the day of salvation? Don't wait till tomorrow. God wants a commitment today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till next year. Don't wait till New Year's Eve. Make the commitment right now. Make it today. The prophet here, Isaiah, is exhorting us and Paul is quoting him where he's saying in the acceptable time, I heard you. God has heard you. He's listening. God is helping you. I've now helped you. But here he says in verse three, I have also saved you. God is ready today, not tomorrow, but right now, to listen, to help, and to save, to deliver, to redeem now. God's timing is always today when it comes to salvation. Let us not wait till tomorrow to make things right. Let's make things right with God today. In the acceptable time, behold, now is the day of salvation. And in verse 3, He's going to tell us as we go in and move into the text of today... And he's going to tell us the supply of grace that he used in his life and what it looks like when you don't use the grace of God in vain. What it looks like when you use the grace of God, you receive it and you apply it in your life. Because the grace of God is so important. In fact, God has given you grace to take you through every season of your life. And there are moments maybe in this year that you look back and you said, I don't know, Lord, how I did it without your grace in that season. Or you look at a relationship, you look at a marriage, you look maybe at your work where, where things were going so tough and you don't know how you were going to hold on, but the grace of God kept you there. Or your marriage, that the things weren't going well at home, but, but the grace of God brought you together and there was unity there. It was always the grace of God. Why? Because God has a supply of grace for every season and every moment of your life. Remember that. And just like God had a supply of grace for me in 2019, God has a supply of grace for me in 2020. How many of you guys praise God for that? Amen. 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 Let's praise God for that. Is it so important? It's the grace of God that makes the demand. Maybe you're asking yourself, well, I don't know how I'm going to do it?" The grace of God makes the demand. But grace, the grace of God also meets that demand. It meets that demand. And look how now Paul in verse 3 he explains and he exhorts, I am a, an apostle, I'm a servant of God. And this is real ministry. I've used the grace of God, but these are marks of authentic ministry. If there's anything that we want us to go into the next year with marks of authentic servants of the Lord. Not just one that talk about it, but also those that do it. I love how someone prayed this morning. They said, Lord, we don't want to just be talkers. We don't want to just speak about it. We don't want to just be hearers. We also want to be doers. What would it look like, the church, if we went into 2020 as doers? (laughs) We don't want to just want to be hearers, but Lord, we want to go into this next year as a doer. Where I hear the word of God, I speak the word of God, but I also live the word of God. I do the word of God. And in verse three, he tells us this, we give no offense in anything, that our ministry may not be blamed." Now these are the marks of real ministry, that he's living blamelessly. And he tells us this in verse three, we give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. Well, first of all, I want you to know that your life is your ministry, first of all. Your personal devotional with the Lord is your ministry. That is a ministry in itself. When you get together with the Lord and you open up your Bible, your quiet time, wherever it would be, and you separate that time, that is a ministry. That is your first ministry. Everything else is second. Because that's the ministry that you allow the Lord to speak to you personally, one-on-one, intimately. And he's saying here, my life, my ministry, my devotional with the Lord, my commitment with the Lord is a ministry. But now he's speaking about ministry as a whole in verse three. And it says, we give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. No offense in anything, What he's saying is here, we give no occasion or no occasional stumbling or we give no reason for others to find fault in our lives when it comes to ministry. Now, I want to ask you today, is there any occasional maybe stumbling or any reason to find fault in your life when people look into your life and they examine your life? Are there any reasons that we have given them of compromise, of occasional stumbling Of maybe becoming committed to the world more than we should be, right? Of maybe slipping and allowing areas of our lives of where we should not be doing, that we are now representing those things. Now Paul is saying, we give no occasion in everything we do. There's no occasion for stumbling. We remain blameless. We give no reason for anyone to find fault in our lives. We remain a life of purity and a life of self-denial. So that in anything that we do, we live in such way that no one will stumble because of us or find any fault in our ministry. Would you be able to say that today honestly? Uh, We give no reason for anyone to stumble because of us or to find any fault with our ministry. What is Paul saying in verse 3? He's understanding the great responsibility of integrity. Do you understand the great responsibility that you have in integrity? That if someone looks into your life, they can't say, Well, if that person does it, that means that I can too, and I don't have to be a Christian. How is it that we represent the Lord? He's saying I I we represent the Lord and give no offense in anything. There are no areas where you can point out in our lives, he's saying, in where we choose to compromise. We have no no reason to anyone to blame us in these areas of our lives. And now from verse 4 or 5, he describes the suffering that he's had to endure for the sake of the calling of God. And let's read on in verse 4 and 5 what it says. But in all things, now in anything, he never stumbled. He wasn't now found to be blamed. He wasn't found any fault. But in all things, verse 4, we commend ourselves. We demonstrate We show, we recognize here of ourselves as ministers of God, as true servants of God. You see, when you are refraining, when you are now living a life of self-denial because you want to honor God only, you are demonstrating, you are showing, I am a true servant of God. And we commend ourselves ministers or true servants of God. We're showing this now, and he's going to tell us that he shows this even through the hard times. Because there are going to be hard times as we're serving the Lord. But he's saying here, we are demonstrate these traits of authenticity in ministry. And look at it, it's not only in the easy seasons, it's also in the seasons that are difficult. It's also through difficult seasons. But what is it that he's enduring? He says, but in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience. Now patience, he's not referring to someone waiting. Or taking a long time. He's not referring to time when he's talking about patience here. He's referring to endurance. Have you ever had to endure for the sake of ministry or for the sake of people enduring now? Maybe you're enduring there as you're leading a ministry at church here at church. Or enduring at home. And for whatever season it would be because you're standing for righteousness. And you are demonstrating endurance. Now it tells us in verse 5, In much endurance, in tribulations, in needs... In distresses isn't this sometimes summarize our lives through hardship through pain through distress this is real ministry enduring for the sake of other people through struggles through pressures in life through needs through distresses why is he saying this because Paul was a man that made himself vulnerable to these things so that he can serve other people Because to love means to be vulnerable. I remember the first time that I heard that, it spoke to my heart so much. Because when you love someone, you're willing to be vulnerable and allow yourself to go through these things to serve them. He said, I've served at this capacity where I've endured now hard moments, tribulations and distresses now, and struggles and pressures, and I've made myself vulnerable for the sake of other people and for ministry. Now in the New Living Translation it says this, in everything we do, we show that we're true ministers of God as we impatiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. I love this, that Paul endured. Because the level of endurance that you're willing to take, it's the level of love that you're willing to use. You see, when you endure with someone or for someone, it's because you love them. Are you enduring right now with anyone in ministry are you enduring for the sake of the cause of Christ because when you endure that shows that you're loving not only that but your endurance is taking you through different places now of hardship and in verse 5 it also tells us now the things that were now from other people this endurance that he had to use now also in stripes he was beaten now in imprisonments he was taken into prison In tumults or in riots, in those angry mobs that faced him. You see, the tribulations are not only spiritual tribulations, but also you will face those tribulations from others outside, from the world. And he said, we face these tribulations when it comes to being beaten. We face these tribulations when being imprisoned. We face these tribulations against angry mobs as well. Just think about how many seasons in our lives we had to go through tribulations this last year. For the sake of Christ, we endured by his grace. We thank you, Lord, because even through the tribulation of going through now even uh, tr- patience and hardships and distresses and emotional pain and heartbreak. Lord, we are still here and you are still good. You have not changed. Isn't this amazing that he goes even in verse five and talks about the stripes and imprisonments and tumults? But look at now the self-inflicted hardship that he went through. And it tells us in verse 5 now. And it says in labors he worked hard for the church. And he endured working hard in sleeplessness and in fasting. Now Paul was a man that was a real apostle because of everything that he was willing to do for the sake of other people. He said I've worked so hard, I've endured so hard for the sake, I've labored. And the word labor doesn't mean only work. It means work to the point of exhaustion. I look around even at church and I see people working in their faithfulness behind the scenes. And know that they too also serve and labor for the Lord. It's a labor of love. That behind the scenes they're putting in their time and, and they're working for the ministry so that it can get done. They're preparing and they're coming early and they're staying late. They're laboring for the cause of Jesus Christ to the point of exhaustion, coming early and, and maybe sleeping late. Look what it says in verse 5. In sleeplessness and in fastings. This is exactly what Paul put himself through. Now maybe you're asking yourself, man, I've been putting myself through this. Well, I want to tell you today, the last Sunday of 2019, it's all worth it. It is all worth it. I asked myself, Lord, when is it, Lord, that you're going to allow this, maybe a breakthrough in our lives, so that maybe we don't have to face the same hardships that we do. And the Lord said, I'm giving you the grace through these hardships. Because this is teaching you to have my heart And it's amazing as we read verse 5 because he's saying everything that you're putting yourself through for the sake of people, it is worth it. Notice how not every trial was the same, but every trial required that he needed endurance. Every trial required that he needed endurance. Because endurance is important so that we can stay the course when it comes to being faithful to the Lord. Every trial in our lives, even this next year, is not going to be the same, but every trial will require endurance. So that you can keep your eyes on the Lord. Because it's not about how you start that race, it's about how you finish the race with the Lord. Verse 6, it says here, by purity and by knowledge. Now, he's talking about also how his ministry is not only effective because of what he put himself through and what others now put him through, but also because of the lifestyle on how he conducted himself. And he describes himself as a man of Purity. Now, that is not a word that we as men like to describe ourselves with. If somebody said, you know what? Describe yourself as a man. What's one word you can use? I'm sure you raise your hand and say, you know what? It's purity. That's what I am, right? But this is a word that Paul used to describe himself, to give off that his conduct was a conduct of holiness. And for both men and women today, how much purity is in your life today? Because purity preserves the church. Purity is what preserves the church. You want to have a strong church, you must have a pure church. You want to have a strong spiritual walk, you must have a pure spiritual walk. If there are things in our spiritual walk that are going through that that maybe the Lord does not honor, guess what, that is going to now bring us into weak areas of our lives. And here Paul begins to describe the resources that he took advantage of so that he can overcome adversity and endure now, you would ask yourself, you know, how can I overcome adversity today so I can endure? It starts here with purity. Use the resources that God has available to you in His Word. Well, I want to overcome those challenges in life. It starts here, verse 6 by purity, by knowledge here, or by understanding, by long suffering, by being patient here, it tells us, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, and by sincere love. Notice how. In verses 4 and 5, he talks about being in these situations, but he got through them, verse 5, by these resources. If you look at verse 4 and 5, he says, I'm in now, distress, I'm in imprisonment, I'm in labor, I'm in sleeplessness, and I'm in fasting. But I got through all of this, verse 6 by purity. I got through this by the understanding of the Word of God. I got through this by being patient. I got through this by the kindness of God. I got through this by the Holy Spirit and by sincere love. These are the resources in verse 6 that you use to get through these struggles in life. Now he's proving himself and he's proving his apostleship through purity and through understanding. He says, it was our patience, it was the kindness, it was the Holy Spirit within us. It was our sincere love, it was that was honest, it was genuine, that allowed us to get through every one of these seasons. You see that His love is being poured out to the church here. I'm doing this by these things, by the Holy Spirit. You see, if the church today decided to operate by the Holy Spirit, we decided that we're going to live off the Holy Spirit next year. We're going to live off the will of God. We're going to live off the word of God and live off of prayer. Think about what kind of church it would be. It would be a pure and a holy church. Because it would be a church that even through the hard seasons in life, through whether you're being afflicted from the outside or being afflicted from within or putting yourself through this situation so that you can serve other people, you will know that the grace of God is keeping you in every season. How many of us can thank God even this new, next season? Maybe the Lord's bringing bringing into a new season of life right now. Maybe he's already showed you what that season is. He's going to give you that grace for this next season. Isn't this amazing? The Lord's going to do a new thing. But he's also going to give you the spiritual resources to get you through this new season in life. And let's read here verse 7 because he also says, By the word of truth we were able to endure by the word of truth. See, those that endure the most are those that are in the word of the most. You can't endure, you can't finish the race if you haven't trained well. If you're not training well in the word of God, you will not finish the race well. I did this by the Holy Spirit, by purity, by knowledge, by sincere love. We were genuine. We loved people. We did it because we loved them. But also, verse 7, by the word of truth, by the word of God it was. And by the power of God. You see, by the armor of righteousness. Righteousness. He talks about an armor of righteousness. What is the armor of righteousness that he's going to describe in verse 7? The armor of righteousness is the word of truth and the power of God. Now equip yourself with that armor today. I pray that today we would leave with that armor today, with the word of truth and with the power of God. That is the armor of righteousness. Think about how you will face this next season of life. Lord, I'm going to face this next season with the armor of righteousness. That is the word of truth in one hand and the armor and the power of God in the other. And notice how he says that in verse seven. On the right hand and on the left. (laughs) This is amazing. He said, on one hand, I have the word of truth and on the other hand, I had the power of God. Now, think about a church that on one hand has a word of truth and on the other hand has the power of God. You become a church that is unstoppable, but a church that is pleasing to God. Ask the Lord today, Lord, equip me, dress me today with the word of truth. And now with the power of God. That one would be as an offensive, now weapon against the enemy. The word of truth. But on the other side, I would have a defensive weapon, which would be the power of God to protect me from the enemy. You see how faithful God is? That He gives you the armor of righteousness to attack and also to defend. Now think about somebody in warfare. They need the proper attire and weapons and spiritual warfare to overcome the attacks of the enemies. And the reason sometimes why we can't overcome the attacks of the enemies is because we're not dressed with the armor of righteousness. Now Paul was dressed with the armor of righteousness, so in imprisonment, in sleeplessness, in fastings, now in now facing a tumor or, or uh, a mob of people that wanted to kill him and persecute him and want him dead, he was dressed with the armor of righteousness. In the New Living Translation it says we faithfully preach the truth. God's power working in us. We use the weapons of righteousness on the right hand for attack and on the left hand for defense. There are two things that you want to go into this next year. is on one hand the word of truth and the other hand the power of God. You can't have one without the other. A lot of times we say, well I have the power of God with me. But is the word of truth also in you? Because you can't have the power of God without the word of God. And you cannot experience now the word of God without the power of God coming upon you. That's why you have to ask, Lord, I want the Holy Spirit to come upon me. And pray that prayer. Lord, I want the Holy Spirit to come upon me so that I can overcome this once and for all now. I want the word of truth inside of me so that I can go against the attacks of the evil one. Because the enemy is going to come after me because I'm engaged in spiritual warfare. Understand this, you are engaged in spiritual warfare. And the enemy will try to attack you. They're going to try to attack your life and your marriage. To destroy your home, destroy your family. Destroy your devotional walk. What the enemy wants to do is come and he'll try to separate you and your wife, division between the, the home and the marriage. Or division between you and your children. Division when it comes to, and distraction when it comes to your personal time with the Lord. But you're engaged in spiritual warfare. Remember that. Verse 8, it says, By honor and by evil rapport. Now he's going to tell us here how people looked at him, but that didn't change him. The seasons that he was, and how he was treated, he's going to describe both what the world thought of him, but also what God knew of him, what God thought of him. And in verse eight, he says, by honor and dishonor, it didn't change him. He kept serving. He served God, whether people honored him or whether people despised him. Whether it was popular or it wasn't popular, he served the Lord. It's easy to serve the Lord when people honor you. But are you still serving Him when they don't honor you? Because here He's saying with honor and without honor, He's serving the Lord. By evil report and with good report. Even when people spoke good about me, and when they didn't speak good about me, I still served the Lord. The Lord knew the truth, and He spoke well of me, but the world spoke evil of me, and I was still serving the Lord as deceivers, yet true. They said that I was a liar, yet I was speaking the truth here, He's saying in verse 8. Now, do you understand here everything that He's going through, Paul, and to show His authentic now lifestyle and ministry, His genuine heart, His open heart now? He's saying people would not honor us, and and the Lord would honor us, and they would call us liars, yet we were speaking the truth. They would speak evil of us, and then sometimes they would speak good of us, but in spite of all of that, we still served the Lord. Verse 9, he says, As unknown, they ignored us, and yet well known. They wanted nothing to do with us. They thought that they didn't know us, yet they did have known who we were. In fact, it says here, And behold... Here, dying, as dying, and behold, we live, as chastened, and yet not killed. Do you see the suffering that he was enduring, the apostle? He's telling us here, even when we were ignored, when we were well-known by the church, we were close to death, yet we're still alive. We were beaten, but we were never killed. And if you look back at your life this year, you would say... We experienced some spiritual warfare in these places where we thought that we were spiritually being beaten. But the Spirit of God is still within us and we are still serving the Lord. Do you see how he's telling us here in verse 9 how everything that the world thought about him, everything in the world, how the world treated him? But he was focused on one thing and that was to please the Lord. He was serving the Lord in every season. And I pray that this next year you would serve the Lord in every season. Regardless of what people say, regardless of how difficult it is, regardless of all the endurance that you have to put yourself through, it's all worth it because God has given you the grace to fulfill the calling that He has on your life. And there are times where you're saying, Lord, I can't do this. Why would you call me to do this? Lord, it's too difficult. It costs me too much. Lord, I don't know what to do. God's given you the grace with the word of truth in one hand and the power of God in the other so that you can complete and finish the race that he's called us to do. Every season of his life, what was Paul doing? Serving the Lord. Serving the Lord. Now verse 10, let's look at this because he talks about a sorrowful heart or a heart that was aching. A heart that was aching. It says this, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. We were hurting. We went through seasons of hurt, emotional hurt. We were were hurt by other people, but we still had the joy of the Lord in us. Have you ever been hurt? Maybe this year you were hurt by someone, but you still remain with the joy of the Lord inside of you. You're spiritually scarred by someone that, that they wanted nothing to do with you. Maybe your heart is sorrowful right now, but you're still rejoicing in everything. I'm hurt, but I always have joy. And it's, he goes on, he says, yeah, he says, as poor, we had nothing at some seasons. We had very little, yet making many rich. How was he making many rich? He was very poor. However, he was making many rich or others rich spiritually because of everything that he was putting himself through. And you think about it, is there any way where I can live simply so that others can simply live? Ask yourself that today. Are there any ways where I can live simply this next year. So that others can simply live spiritually. Because this is exactly what Paul is doing. He was very poor. But however he was making others rich spiritually. And then he says. Yeah he's having nothing. I have nothing. Yet possessing all things. What did, why was he possessing all things? Because he was possessing everything that actually mattered. And today maybe we can. Look back and say, well, look at all the accomplishments, all the blessings. But are you possessing the things that actually matter? Because here Paul tells us in verse 10, I I might have not had just very little of this world, but I had everything that I need because I was living off the will of God. I was living off the spiritual things. I was living off according to the things that you cannot see, but according to the things now that you see by faith. That's exactly what he's telling us here. And this is here, it's something that we ought to remember. He said, having nothing, yet possessing everything. Our heart aches. We're poor, but we've commended others the spiritual riches. We owe nothing, yet we have everything from God. Now look at these descriptions that he described himself, how the world describes them, but also how God describes them. And the tough thing about it today is that we're concerned about how the world describes us. Are you concerned about the description that God has for you? Or the description that the world has for you, man has for you? Whose estimation is correct? Because Paul knows the estimation that is correct is God's estimation. The world might call him a liar. The world might call him a deceiver. The world might say they don't know him. They might speak evil of him. But he knows that the estimation that really matters, that, that the, the recommendation, that the validation, the approval that really matters is from God. And that's exactly why he was able to live a life of consistency because he was detached from the things of this world. Sometimes we're too attached to the things of this world that we can't live for God. God wants you to be detached from those things so you can be more attached and in tune with his spirit. More in love with his spirit. So that you can grow in the grace of God. Because God is looking at us and he looks at the discipline that we have in our lives. Ask yourself today, have I advanced through any of the struggles in life that I've been through? Have you advanced today? Is there any advancement now through these struggles? Because I have the power of God and the the word of truth within me. Because if you want to see some fruit in your life, and you you have to ask yourself right here, we see a life of fruit in the life of Paul. But if you want to see fruit go upward, you must see root go downward. And if we don't have any root downward, how are we going to see fruit upward? I I talk to a lot of people even throughout the week, and they want to see God do amazing things with their lives. But there's no root downward, so how is there going to be fruit upward? There's no root in the Word of God. There's no spending time in the Word of God. No spending time at the church, locally, serving with the body of Christ. How would there be fruit upward? And here we see that Paul is demonstrating a life of roots that are going downward and fruit that is going upward by praying and by reading of the word of God. This is important. Why? Because I want to ask you today, how does your Bible reading look? Even maybe this week. How was your Bible reading this week, the last week now that we're approaching of the year? Have you spent time in the word of God? Are you getting maybe closer to finishing the word of God this year? Or maybe saying, you know what, I'm not getting closer, but I'm on track to finish the Bible. Because that's how roots grow downward in the Word of God. Roots do not grow downward anywhere else, but in the Word of God. Unless you're growing your roots in all the wrong places. And I pray that we would be rooted and grounded in love. That we would be rooted and grounded That this next year. We would be so rooted and grounded in love that there would be fruit going upwards. That in every season of our lives, we can serve the Lord. How does your prayer time look? Is it casual time of prayer? Is it hurried time of prayer? Is it unbalanced? Is it, is, is it very unmeaningful, the time of prayer that you're spending? Or is it a consistent time of devotion where you're saying, Lord, I want to separate this time and I'm making progress when it comes to a life of consistency. Are you making progress today? Are you making progress? Because you don't want to repeat the same spiritual year that you had last year, this next year. It's about making progress, being rooted and grounded in love. Why don't you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. And I want to talk to you about what it means to be rooted and grounded. This is a verse that the Lord has really ministered to me as of lately. And it just fits so nicely in the message as we even close and end. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Because this is the prayer that Paul is praying for the church. And this is a prayer that we all should pray for one another. That we would be rooted and that we would be grounded. That in every season, we would expect the grace of God to be able to use the grace of God. And there would be roots going downward and fruit going upward. Ephesians 3 verse 14. For this reason, what does it say? I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I have a reason to pray. And today you have a reason to pray as well. You have a reason to bow your knees before the Father. How How much time did you spend on your knees this last year? And This is convicting when you ask these questions. How many times did you spend on your knees praying before the Father? For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named, who is the head of everything, who keeps the whole body together. And it says here that He would grant you, that He would give you, this is the prayer that Paul is saying, I'm praying that He would give you according to the riches of His glory. According to the riches of His glory, all the glory, that He is richly abundant in glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. What does is, what is God have for us? That we would to be strengthened with spiritual strength in the inner man. What did Paul demonstrate? He had spiritual strength in the inner man that he was able to go through every season. Spiritual strength in the inner man so that I can say no to those things that don't honor God and I can say yes to those things that honor God. Spiritual strength in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts. How is Christ going to dwell in your heart? Here it tells us in verse 17, that He would dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. You want to grow? You must be planted. You must be planted. You can't be all over the place. You can't be, one week I'm here, one week I'm not. You can't be, one week I want to serve, another week I don't want to serve. If you want to grow, you need to be at church and you need to be planted. And I want to encourage you to come. Not only come the days that are convenient, come the days that maybe are not convenient. Because when it's not convenient, that means it's consistent. When if you're looking for convenience, you're never going to experience growth. If you're looking for easy, you're never going to get stretched. We must be consistent. We must be planted. Because if you're, all, you're always being uprooted with every little distraction that comes your way, if you're being uprooted for that distraction here or a distraction over there, guess what? You will never grow. Your roots will never grow. I was talking to a farmer this week at work. And I, I, I love talking to farmers because I feel like I can relate to them. I feel like I'm a spiritual farmer. We all are, we sow seeds. And, and I talked to this farmer and I told him, what is the hardest thing about farming? What, what has to be the hardest thing that you experience You farming. And he says, you know what? He started a thing. He says, the hardest thing about farming is that you don't have full control of whether there's food or not. (laughs) And I was like, tell me. Tell me about that. He said, you don't have full control because sometimes, for example, let me give you an example. Sometimes it's so cold that the roots and the trees get so cold that the fruit freezes. I was like, wow. Because isn't that an illustration of the church sometimes? That the church gets so cold (laughs) that the fruit freezes in the life of the believer. How do your roots look today? Do you have healthy roots growing into the word of God? Do you have any healthy roots or are they frozen? Are they cold? Because here he says, I want you to be rooted and grounded in what? In love. In the word of God. Not rooted and grounded in bitterness. Or in resentment. And I want to tell you. Maybe this year. You have to be rooted and grounded in love. So you have to repent. Come to the Lord and say. Lord I repent. I want to be rooted and grounded in love. I don't, I don't want to go into the year. Without repenting and asking for forgiveness. Because God cannot use a life like this. Understand verse 18. That you may be able to comprehend. With all the saints. The church. With all the saints speaks of together speaks of being planted together not only planted but planted together. don't be a tree that's planted on its own. well I'm planted I'm just over here on my own. those are the trees that really don't grow the most <laughs> but when they're planted together think about what happens there's more fruit that gives off because that's good soil. <laughs> don't be go being planted out in the world's soil get planted in the church's soil. This is the soil, this is fertile soil, it's ready to grow. It's up to you to be planted there to say, I'm gonna, I am gonna." choose to plant my family on the soil here that God has given us to this church. Because when you decide that, when you make that conscious decision to plant your life and your family on good soil, there's going to be some fruit. But when you start planting your life on bad soil, there's going to be bitterness and roots of unforgiveness, of sin that's going to creep in. Now it says here that all may be able to comprehend with all the saints. What is the width? What is the length? What is the depth? What is the height? The longitude? The latitude, it says, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Are you filled with all the fullness of God? With a capacity overflowing, abundantly filled with the fullness of God? Because you have been planted and you're rooted and you are grounded. I'm grounded this year. Think about that. I'm grounded this year in the word of God. I'm making a renewal of vows when it comes to my commitment, when it comes to the Lord. I am grounded in the word of God. Are you planted today in the love of God that through any struggles in life there is still a consistent progress? There is still a consistent progress. And I want to encourage you to go before the Lord and say, Lord, I want to be consistent this next year. That through every season, no matter what season it is, I'm still serving you, I'm still there planted. I don't want to get cold. I don't, want to get, I don't want the fruit to freeze. There are often times where you have to beg the Christian to serve the Lord. Let that never be in our lives, that someone has to convince you to serve God. If someone has to talk you into serving God, it's because it's not naturally coming out of your life because you're not rooted and grounded. And then that's just artificial fruit. It's not real someone shouldn't have to come and beg you to serve the lord you should voluntarily be open to serve the lord because you're rooted and grounded in the right place and in the right soil you see what he's telling us here this is such an amazing exhortation that even paul tells us i went through everything paul is saying yet i'd still remain consistent serving the lord can we pray lord heavenly father we thank you god we thank you for your word We ask God that you would exhort us, Lord, mightily through your word that we would be planted, grounded, Lord, grounded, consistent. Maybe those that didn't come, Lord, last year to prayer, that they would come to prayer now. Those that didn't come to midweek, that they would start to come to midweek now. Those that didn't make the drive, that they would make the drive now, Lord, because we're putting ourselves through labor for the sake of the cause of the gospel.